Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Never seen the sky so blue. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. It is a beautiful sunny day, but only 29 degrees in downtown Salt Lake City. So if you are coming down for all of the All-Star Weekend festivities, make sure that you bundle up. We wanted to begin the morning. Uh, our feature at the top of the hour is Little Fruit Tree Method. And I just wanted to explain to folks that we got this question last week, Ton, about little fruit tree method. And you said, "Mm, not really my area. We need to bring on the expert. We do. There's so many just kind of niche gardening methods out there that nobody can cover all of them. And I've seen that our guest, Malene Nelson Hokey, has YouTube videos about this particular method and a lot of other um, videos useful on YouTube. So I'll have her talk about her channel for just a second, but she's a good horticulturist and who better to have talk about it than someone that's actually done it. Good morning, Malie. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. How are you doing today? We're doing very well. First of all, for those folks who may not have a clue what little fruit tree method is, maybe you could describe what that is. Yeah, well, let me give you several good resources first. So uh, this method was pioneered by a guy named Ed, and he works with Dave Wilson Nurseries, and that's kind of where you get all your fruit trees. That's where your nurseries get your fruit trees. So if you Google Dave Wilson Nursery Backyard Orchard Culture, that's where you get the you know the main information. Then there's a lady called Ann Ralph who, who learned this method from a guy named Ed Laivo, and he worked with Dave Wilson Nurseries. And the book's called Grow a Little Fruit Tree. Excellent, excellent resource. And to go along with that, they have a Facebook group. Now, it's not hers. It's a grow. It's a, let me think of it, a Little Fruit Tree Friends. So there's a lot of people there who've been doing it and can answer questions. And then um, I also have a YouTube channel, like you said, and I have several videos on, you know, print, you know using this method using different so aged So what's your trees. YouTube channel called? It's called Garden Wise Adventures. 
Okay, yeah, and then I've subscribed to it and watched some videos and but Garden Wise Adventures, very good yeah. YouTube channel for one local other gardening. Thing, yeah, if you would like to uh, see this done in person and see an orchard where it's been done, uh, next Saturday on the twenty, you know, the twenty fifth of February at ten a.m. There's uh, we're going to have a an event where Dan. Uh, Dan Owens is going to show you how to prune mature trees. I'm going to go over the grow a little fruit tree method. And if you want all the information on that, go on to my Facebook group called the Utah Rare Fruit Growers. Yes, I also follow that one. <laughs> okay, Malay, but the, for those people who don't really know what we're talking about, what is the little fruit tree method? Okay, so it is a method that uh, Ed came up with so that you can keep your fruit trees at a manageable level and plant more in your backyard. This is mainly for homeowners because, you know, orchardists don't need, you know, orchardists don't need to keep fruit trees that small. But homeowners want to be able to grow more fruit trees in an area. So one of the methods that you use is to plant more than one fruit tree in a hole. You can put the, you know, plant them for pollinators, but more often you plant them for season extending. So choose an early, late, mid-variety you know, that ripens those time frames so that you can have uh, more fruit over the growing season. And uh, the other thing that you do with it to keep your fruit trees small is you have to prune at specific times of year. So the first year is always the hardest. It is as soon as you plant the tree, usually do it in the spring. Well, actually, I would only do this in the spring. As soon as you plant the tree, you cut it to knee height. And when you look at the tree, you Normally, when you use this method, do not have any side branches or anything. It's just a little stick coming out of the ground. And uh, that freaks people out, but you have to do that. And the reason you're doing that is you're trying to spark a lot of lower growth. And you're trying to do, and the reason for that is to have many options for your main scaffolding branches. So then the next time you prune it, you prune it three times a year. The next time will be in June. All you do is shear off one half of the new growth. In August, you do the exactly the same thing, shear off one half of the new growth. And the reason for that is you want to reduce the vigor. So you're removing the leaves, which, you know, captures the sunshine and, you know, gives you a tree energy to grow. You're just reducing vigor and reducing height. And then, uh, do you want me to keep going? Sure. Yeah, please. <laughs> okay, second year, you choose your... Uh, scaffolding branches, usually two or three of them, I'm sorry, usually three to five of them. And uh, it's really difficult to explain it. So if you want to see it done, definitely come next Saturday to the event. But you choose your scaffolding branches. So your grouping of fruit trees, you know, if you've planted a grouping of them together, looks like one tree. So you want to thin out the interior branches so that it's open and has sunshine. And then in the end, it's just going to look like a multi-trunk tree. And then that year, you also in June do the summer pruning in June and August. Cut off half of the new growth each time. Third year, you start with, you know, in the spring, you start with your regular proper pruning practices. You know, prune it so it's open, has good airflow, is the height that you want it. And then in June and August, you just keep it at the height that you want it. You choose the height. You know, six feet is average. I keep my peach trees and my nectarine trees around eight feet, my apple trees around six feet. I've done it with a cherry tree. I keep that at 12 feet, 
But if you understand that it's on a standard rootstock and could be 40 feet, 12 feet is a good height for it. So I'm wondering how many years it takes before you're actually getting fruit off the tree. Now, that is the most amazing thing. Um, Every single tree that I have used this method on fruits earlier. You know, usually it takes three to five years. I've had fully fruiting trees, including avocados in Southern California, on the third year. So that's excellent. You know, you're causing the trees to bear earlier by doing this method. So there are some questions, you know, do the fruit trees that you're doing this survive long term in our colder climate? Yes. Now, there is a difference. I've done this in Southern California and here in Utah. In Southern California, we had a longer growing season, and I guess maybe my soil was better. But I had to keep up. You know, I did it for 15 years there. And I had to keep up with the summer pruning throughout the entire time I had those fruit trees. And when I left, they were still going strong. So they lasted 15 years there. Um, Here in Utah, I think the season is shorter. My soil is probably not as fertile. And I don't use the summer pruning method. You know, I stopped after about six years because my trees just didn't have as much vigor. Now, when I say they don't have as much vigor, they still grow beautifully, but they don't get out of control. So I, I, right now I only prune them in the winter unless there's, you know, you know, outstanding circumstances where for some reason they grew a little bit more. But according to Ed, he had done that, you know, I learned this in the early 90s from Ed at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in their test orchard. And he said he had been doing that for 30 years at that point. Hmm. And um, so, you know, what has it been, like 60 years? Well, I guess it hasn't been 30 years since the 90s. I don't know. I'm starting to feel old. <laughs> but anyway, Me too. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, he said... The trees that he has done that on, he noticed that the reduction in life was about five years. Okay. So there is a slight, but you're still going to get 15 or 20 years out of a fruit tree, which is normally considered the usable life anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Malie, we appreciate you so much for coming on. Again, tell folks how to uh, find the event uh, next weekend. Yeah, just go into Utah Rare Fruit Growers, our Facebook group, and look under the events tab. All right. Perfect. Thanks thank for you. being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me on and have a great day. You too. And the number to call with your questions, Ross is waiting very patiently. We're going to take his question first. Number to call 801 575 8255. You can text us 57500. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning, taking your calls, 801-575-8255. Text us your questions at 57500. Ross is in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Ross. How can we help you? Yeah, good morning. Thank you. I've got a autumn blaze maple tree that's been struggling for many years, and it's got really bad iron necrosis. How you said? Yeah, iron chlorosis. Yeah, and it 
<clears throat> the trunk is about four inches in diameter. It's about 15 feet tall with 13 feet uh, wide. My question is, I, I have chelated iron, and I know that I need to put that down. When do I do it? How much? And uh, to help it, I got a Norwegian maple that's just beautiful and green and big, and I just want it to this other one to grow. So you're going to have to look at the label on your chelated iron, and it'll give you a recommendation on how much to mix up in relationship to the width of the trunk. And so look at that, and then you just mix it up in five-gallon buckets and pour it around the tree, not just at the base, but around and under the canopy and pour it under there. Go ahead. Does does it matter? I mean, I don't know how far away from the trunk I should pour it. Just from the trunk out toward the drip line and then just back and forth. And once you oh, do okay. that, you're going to want to water that in a little bit, maybe hook a hose up to a hose bib on your house and just, you know, another, you know, enough water to just really wet the area so that that iron soaks in. And that was okay. our uh, urban forester's recommendation, recommendation on how to apply that chelated iron. But the timing is going to be critical where you're needing to get that down in mid to late March. Mid to late March. Okay, that's yeah. That was my other question: is how when I need to do it. Now, can I do it more than do it just just do it once a year or another time? Or once what? a year should be sufficient. The reason you're doing it then is because the tree uh, uh, absorbs most of the iron it needs before it leaves out. And so, okay. if you were to do it in May, it would help the new growth before the new growth comes out, but any existing leaves wouldn't get very much of that iron into them. Oh, okay. All right. Perfect. That's just what I wanted to find out. And then I'm sure it's going to take a couple of years or so to get it over the the hump. I just wanted to make sure I knew when when to do it and how much. so. So that recommended rate on the label, if it's really bad, there's nothing wrong with doing a double application in March to get more iron in there to see if you can bring it out. You know, just do a double application at the same time or do it? Yeah, at the same time is fine. Okay. Okay, perfect. That's what I need to know. Thank you for your help. Great. Thanks so much for your call this morning. We have Kim in American Fork. Uh, Good morning, Kim. What is your question? Yes, I have about 70 feet of blackberries and they're really productive and Um, You know, I get a couple of really good pickings in July, maybe the end of August, and we have to keep cutting the the runners back to keep them in bounds. And they'll set a ton of fruit in July and August that just stays there. It just stays small and never fully develops. Why is that? There could be a few things going on, and one of them are the day lengths that as it in July especially, our day lanes start to decrease. And it's signaling, even though it's still summer, the blackberries need to start storing energy in, you know, in the roots for the winter. And so that could be some of it. But if it's going on with every one, you know, just I think that it's one of those things that just our climate causes it. And if we live somewhere maybe like California to where we had a lot longer growing season that those berries would eventually ripen up. And do you know what variety you have? 
I have several, um, and I, but I can't tell you the names. And of is them. every last <laughs> one of them doing it? Yes, it's all pretty much my the whole length of our seventy foot wall of blackberries. Yeah, and as long as they're otherwise healthy, I think that it's probably day lengths causing that. And then during the hottest part of the year, are any of these newest berries scalding? Um, I don't believe so. Um, and it's so frustrating because they are just so thick. I mean, they hang like bunches of grapes. They're so thick. One thing that you could try is getting some shade cloth from a local garden center or online and get 30% shade and drape it over just like one or two sections of your blackberries and secure it so it won't blow away. And you would do this when you're harvesting or after you're done with that initial crop. And with that shade cloth, see if those berries ripen under there to eliminate that too much sunlight and heat is causing them not to ripen. Okay, so it could be not enough sun or it could be too much sun. Well, it could be too late in the season and the plants are shutting down. You know, even though they still have their leaves, it takes several weeks for them, or several, sometimes, you know, from July, August on until September, they're actually in the process of going dormant by storing energy in the roots and doing different things. And so it just could be too late in the season, but to eliminate too much heat, cover a couple of them with that shade cloth and see if they ripen. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kim, for your call this morning. Before we take a break, Ton, we did have another listener asking about blackberries. They have a thornless blackberry plant, and they've pretty much not taken care of them over the past few years. They want to change that, so they want to know what they would do now and how to prune them. Cut out all the dead wood and old, really old canes. So any cane over two years old can come out. And then this year, there's not going to be much they can do besides that because they don't want to cut back their fruit-bearing canes. But as the new growth comes up, they're going to let it grow. And then at the 1st of July, they're going to tip prune it, the newest canes. So it'll be this year's canes. And then at the 1st of August, they'll tip prune. And that's where you're just going in and clipping an inch or so off of each one. And that's causing them to grow sideways instead with secondary buds. And so you'll get the same number of berries, but it keeps the plant a lot more compact. And so this year's wood that is burying all the berries will come out and they'll leave the one-year-old canes for next year's fruit. All right. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us at 57500. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. 
now available anywhere you get your podcasts.